WPs. Anybody else have those? <laughs> you know, we look at some of these things, you know, my, fa my favorite's the skinny jeans and the phone doesn't fit. But we've all got problems, right? They can be big, they can be small, but we all have difficult things we're going through. And as I was kind of putting this message together, I started thinking back on my life and I realized uh, there were some big problems that I was faced with years ago. I remember when Kendall was just one years old. She was a little baby. She wasn't even one yet. Um, and before that, I had been in a church for uh, little, a little over nine years, like nine and a half years. It was the first position I'd had. I was a youth pastor and did some associate work. Um, my youth pastor became the pastor. He's actually here today, Dr. Dodstrom. So you guys, thank you for coming today. And so uh, he was my, my youth pastor, my pastor. He had worked with me all these years and it was a great experience over those nine and a half years as in ministry. And I kind of felt like this is going great. I don't know what I was thinking. This is going great. I need to get out of the mess. 
And I had another opportunity down the street. I was in Lindora, and it was a church in Pomona, and I thought, hey, maybe we should make a change. We can get out of the nest and kind of stretch our wings out. So we left this church that we've been in for since I was in high school. About My wife grew up in the church. And so we left, and we went over to this church in Pomona. Just Kendall was one year old. Uh, we had a new, new baby. We had just bought a house, so we had a mortgage. And I got this job, and when I went over there, the pastor had kind of made me some promises. Hey, Ken, you know, these are the things that I'm going to have you do in your job description. And they were things to grow me and have this challenge. Well, I got over to this church, and a year went by, and none of that stuff happened. And I was frustrated. I was like, why did I come over here? I'm doing this even less than what I did at the other place, and I want to grow. So he met with me at one year, on my one-year anniversary. We sat out in his office, and he says, Ken, so how are things going? And I said, well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, that was my first mistake. I'll be honest with you. I'm not really happy. I'm kind of disappointed because all these things I was hoping were going to happen aren't happening, and I don't understand what's going on, why I'm not moving into some of these areas. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He looked at me, and he said, well, Ken, feel free to look for another position, and we'll, we'll start looking for your replacement. And I walked out of the office, and I went home, and I looked at Valerie, and I said, I don't know if I quit or if I got fired. I don't know what happened, you know. <laughs> but two months later, we were no longer in that position. I didn't have a job. I had a house. I had a baby. No job. It was the first big problem in our lives, a big, difficult situation. We were overwhelmed. We didn't know what was happening, what God was doing, you know, and we were, we were shocked. We were at a place where, really, we were desperate. We were in a desperate position just afraid, frightened, not worried about what was going on. And that verse says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial that you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. When I was younger back then, I was surprised. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, this shouldn't happen. Everything's supposed to work out beautifully in my life, right? I'm a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm in ministry. Everything's supposed to be good. All my problems are taken care of, right? Wrong. <laughs> Plus, little chuckles, a lot of us have been around for a while. You know, you realize it's not true. It doesn't work that way. Peter didn't say, don't be surprised if there was, uh, sorry, Peter said, don't be surprised as if there were strange things. They aren't strange. It's a part of life. But God has a purpose in every problem that we're facing. Every problem you have, that I have, that we go through, God has a purpose and a plan. And there's basically two things that I believe God is doing through these problems that we have that we're going to talk about this morning. And the first one is that God uses problems to draw us closer to Him. He uses these problems to draw us to Him. When I resigned, uh, well, and I quit, or I got fired, or whatever, when I left that position, still not sure what happened, um, we didn't know what to do. Things were a, a mess, we were all confused, we were hurt, we were afraid, we were confused. We were just in, in awe and shock of what is happening. God, what are you do, doing? What's going on? And that's a hard place to be. You know, for many of us, I think we've all been in some of those situations where something happens and we're just like, what is going on? What do we do? What's happening? We were stressed out. It affected our marriage. We started having some marital problems because now with all the stress coming into play, we have a baby. That's stressful as it is. We have a house. we got to pay a mortgage. That's stressful as it is, right? And now we have no job. That's stressful. So all this stuff came up out of our marriage, and we, we needed to go to marriage counseling. Thank goodness the pastor I worked for before took care of it for us. He said, Ken, you should have got counseling years ago, but we'll pay for it now. 
took care of us. We went through counseling. But it was a very difficult time in our life, a, very, a deep struggle in our life. And it's in those desperate times where we were desperate, those times when we feel abandoned, hurt, we're out of options, that's when we turn to God. Or we need to turn to Him. It's our choice. We need to make that choice. We're gonna ch- He's drawing us to Him when those terrible, difficult things happen. We need to make the choice to turn to God. Now, you've all heard of Joni Erickson, and she said this, When life is rosy, we may slide by with knowing about Jesus, with imitating Him, and quoting Him, and speaking of Him, but only in suffering will we know Jesus. So it's through those difficult things, when we suffer, and we're, ha- we're going through this, I don't know moment, what are you doing God moment, He draws us to Him, and we begin to know Him more, and know Him better. Now, like I said, God has a purpose behind every problem. He has a purpose behind every problem. You remember, uh, Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Joseph gets thrown in prison, right? You know, he gets thrown in prison. God could have kept Joseph out of prison, but he didn't. He didn't do that. Look at Daniel in the lion's den. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den, but he didn't. God could have kept Jeremiah from being tossed into a slimy pit, but he didn't. God could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked three times, but he didn't. God could have kept Ken employed, but he didn't, right? Problems happen. God let these these problems happen. It happens to everyone. Problems happen in our lives, but they're there for a purpose, for number one, to draw us closer to him. Draw us closer to him. You know, as I was thinking about what was happening, and it happens a lot, I think, um, when we go through difficult things, sometimes I start to... I felt like in that moment and when I go through problems, it almost seems like God might be like sitting on his hands. It's like, what are you doing? He doesn't seem to be doing anything. It's like, why did you let this happen? Right? God, if you were involved in my life, you wouldn't let these things happen to me. And I think, what are you doing up there? And sometimes it's almost like he's not even listening to me. But he is. He's allowing this to happen so that we can draw near to him. You know, sometimes we start to think, it's, we think that thinking that it's not right. It isn't right that this is happening to me. It's not right. It wasn't, uh, I lost my job, right? It's not right that I lost my job. Or I had a friend who passed away recently, a 41 years old of a heart attack. That's not right that that would happen. You know, or my daughter gets a job at another church and she has to be there on Sunday mornings instead of here. It's not right. You agree? <laughs> right. I missed her leading worship with me. It's only been a few weeks. <laughs> We miss her. It's not not right, we think, right? But Jesus knows the meaning of it's not right. He understands that feeling that we have that it's not right. It wasn't right that people sped on him. It wasn't right that soldiers whipped him and beat him. It wasn't right that spikes pierced the hands that formed the earth. It wasn't right that the Son of God was forced to hear the silence of God. It wasn't right, but it happened. It happens. Rick Warren said this, that problems force us to look to God and depend on Him instead of ourselves. A lot of times, when we go through problems, we want to solve our problems ourselves. And that's not a bad thing, because we need to solve our problems and be part of the process. But when you get to a place of desperateness, 
We need to turn to God and know that he's the problem solver. He is going to make a way. He's the one that we need to depend on and trust. You'll never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. And for many of us, we go through situations where we don't, we can't control it anymore. Control freaks, I, I'm sorry, but that's hard, isn't it? You know, that's hard. It's like, that's, I got I to be in control. And all of a sudden God goes, no, you're not. Ah, I'm not in control anymore. What do I do? Trust in the Lord. He's in control. He's got a plan. I want to look at Romans uh, 8.28 today. Just kind of go through these, th- this verse and 29 a little bit. Um, this is kind of the main text for us this morning. And this is what it says. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, sometimes people read this passage and hear this passage and we kind of translate it in our head a little bit different. I've heard people say, God causes everything to work the way I want. (laughs) That's not what it says. God doesn't work everything out the way you want it to work out. But for people that want to be in control, or we have a plan in our heads. I don't know about you, but I'm always thinking, okay, God's doing this. And I know that this is working out this way, so it must mean that it's going to happen like this. And we have this plan of how it's all going to unfold. It's not our plan. It's God's plan, Right? causes all things to work together for good. But it's God's plan, not ours. It's not for what I want. It's not to make me happy. It doesn't say God causes everything to work out to make me happy. It's not what he says. It causes everything to work out for good. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's look a little bit closer at this. Romans 8.28. We know. Well, what do we know? We know that God is in complete control. God is in complete control. And the other thing we know is that God loves us. He loves every single one of you, and he loves us unconditionally, with no strings attached. So our, God is in control, and he loves every single one of us. Our hope is based, isn't based on wishful thinking or on positive thinking. Our hope is in the truth that he is in control and that he loves us. That's what our hope is in. So we know that God causes. He's a master designer. God is in control, and he's the master designer of what's happening. It's his plan. It's not your plan. It's not my plan. It's not Pastor John's plan. It's God's plan. We know that God causes. Nothing happens by chance, by fate, by luck. God's in control. We know that God causes everything. When he says that here, he's talking about everything. God causes everything, our sin, our mistakes, our hurts, Our illness, our debt, our disasters, our divorce, or even death. God causes everything. God can bring, you know, good out of the most evil thing. Okay? God causes everything. He doesn't make it happen. It's not like God's making it. He allows it to happen. The next verse kind of explains that. God causes everything to work together. God causes everything to work together. The events of our lives work together in God's plan. They're not isolated events in our lives. These problems we go through, they're not individual. They all work together. God's using them together to make us like Christ. Amen? Everybody doing good? You all awake? You guys hungry? We're going to have lunch a little bit. I've got a treat for you guys later on, but 
as I thought about this, I realized that when you have a, a baker who's making something, he's got a lot of different ingredients in the thing that he's making. So I brought some flour this morning, and I have some baking soda, some sugar. We can't eat, right? We don't eat sugar. And then oil, and I have some vanilla extract, right? All these things that bakers use. I have, I brought one because I didn't want to break it. I eat it out of here. I have an egg. I tossed it to you, but it, it would actually break on you. That wouldn't be good. So all these different items are a part of baking and putting something together, right? Now, each one of these things by themselves aren't really good. Would anybody like a spoonful of uh, oil? Just drink a little oil? No problem, right? We don't do that. Any flour? You want to take a, anybody try to get a bite of flour? No, we're not going to eat that by itself. Baking soda, we all love that, right? By itself? No, we're not going to do this. I'm skipping the sugar because we would probably do it, but we might rot our teeth and get sick. A vanilla extract? No, it does not taste good. Some crazy people will eat a raw egg. Ugh, not me. You can swallow quickly if you do, but all these things themselves alone kind of seem bad, right? But when you put them all together with the recipe and the way they're supposed to be formed and put together, then what ends up happening is, if I can get out of the bag, you have this Magnificent cake, right? A beautiful cake. A wonderful cake that tastes great. And you guys can have some of this later. We'll set it out during lunchtime. Take a couple pieces if you like. But it's a wonderful cake that's made with all these different ingredients in it. All these things together. They all come together to make this wonderful thing. And that's what God is doing in our lives. Okay? We know that God causes all things to work together to work all together in the recipe and his plan, all these bad things that we go through, he causes them all to work together for good. For good. That doesn't mean that everything is good, like I said. Not everything is good. Much of what happens in the world is evil. Much of the things that happen to us is evil or bad. But God, we know that he causes all things to work together for good. Then he says, causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called. The promise isn't for everybody. People that aren't a part of the kingdom of God, that aren't believers. All those things that are happening in their lives may not be causing, God's not causing them all for good. But they're just happening. Okay? But if we're believers, we go through problems also, and God causes all these things to work together for good. For good. The promise isn't for everyone. If you love God, he is causing everything in your life to work together for good according to his purpose. And what is that purpose? And that's the second point I want to get to this morning. His purpose is for us to become like his son. All this stuff works together in our lives, and he's forming and making us like Jesus. I like to use the term reclaiming his image because we all bear the image of Christ. It's kind of like um, a master painter, an artist, and he creates this masterpiece, okay, and he paints this beautiful picture, and it's, it's himself, this reflection of himself in this image. But then that image, that painting is stolen, stolen by thieves. They take it, and they abuse it, and they put it in the catacombs, and they hide it away, and they, it gets covered in dirt and smudge and grease and just becomes covered with dirt because it's been taken away. 
And the master painter goes out and he searches. He searches everywhere to find his masterpiece. And he's searching the world, trying to find it. And when he finally finds the masterpiece, and he gets it, takes it home, and he looks at the reflection, he can barely see the image that's supposed to be there. It's tarnished, it's covered, it has grime and dirt and stuff all over it. It's been abused. But the master painter is the only one knows, that knows the original image that's there. And he begins to clean it off, taking off layers and layers of dirt and grime, and taking his brush and highlighting parts to bring back what's supposed to be there. And eventually there's this, the image is clear and it's there. That's what God is doing in our lives when he seeks us out. We're like the painting. We were lost. The enemy took us. We've been abused through life and hurt. And Jesus has been searching for you, searching for me, and he finds us. And then when he finds us, we come into the kingdom of God, and the church expects us to be perfect. No, we're not perfect. We're in the process of him cleaning us up. And what he's doing through the problems and the difficult things that we're faced with is he's reclaiming that image and making us like Jesus. It's also kind of like a sculptor, an artist that does a sculpture and builds something. He starts with a big piece of granite. He takes his chisel and his hammer, hammer and chisel, and he's, I'm right-handed. He starts chipping away, right, at everything that isn't what he wants his piece of art to look like. He just chips away at everything until he has his masterpiece that's there. God's doing the same thing with us through our problems we're faced with. He's knocking away, chipping away everything that isn't Jesus to make us look like his son. He wants us, he's reclaiming that image. He's making us like his son. There's a picture up here of, of basically that uh, silver being refined. I remember when I was younger, he used to sing a song called Refiner's Fire. You know, and the fire would heat, heat it up and it, it starts to purify the, 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 um, the silver. And uh, the silversmith um, was asked the question, how do you know when the silver is pure? And he said, when I can see my reflection in it. So as God turns up the fire with these problems we're faced with, he's at work at making us come to a place where we, he reflect, or his reflection is in us as we go through these things. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, as a worship leader, I kind of have a hard time singing songs about fire. You know? We say, fire fall, fire come, you know, burn away all that. Fire hurts, man. You ever been burnt? Marionette, uh, bless you, Marionette. She was doing some cooking this week, and she has a big bandage in her arm. She burnt her arm. Bur burns are painful, and it hurts, and it's hard to go through a burn. So I always afraid to pray those kind of prayers and sing those kind of songs. <laughs> it's hard to go through difficult things, isn't it? It's painful. It's difficult. It's hard. But that suffering draws us to Jesus. And then it makes us like Jesus as we go through it. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think, when we look at everybody here and even my own life, all the problems we've gone through, and if problems make us like Jesus, we should all be there and arrive, man, right? It's a given, man. I should look exactly like him. I've been through so much stuff, so many hard things. But it doesn't really work that way. Just because we go through problems doesn't mean we automatically become what he's trying to make us. The question is, how are we responding to the problems that we're facing? How do you respond when you go through one of these difficult things? What is your response? Because we can respond incorrectly. We can become bitter instead of better. We can turn our backs to God and walk away and say no and get angry. 
And we can get angry with God as long as we process through that. But he's drawing us to him. We need to turn to him. Right? We need to respond to him in the proper way. How do we respond for God to work this out? First of all, we have to remember that God has a plan. God has a plan for us. It's not just about that moment that we're in. He has a plan for us. His plan is not our plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. And we, most of us know this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God wants to give you a hope and a future. He wants you to be like his son. He has plans for you. He wants you to prosper. He wants to bless you. He has plans for you. Even though you're in the midst of a difficult problem. I remember when uh, I lost that job at that church and I had that one-year-old, you know, rent and mortgage and didn't have a job. We were visiting different churches and uh, one of the pastors that was preaching, I remember this story vividly, he told a story about a farmer. And this farmer had planted his crop, I think it was wheat, and he had this great crop that was produced. And right when they were getting ready to harvest this crop, this incredibly nasty insect came in called the bull weevil and it destroyed the crop and he was like what are we going to do so he had to borrow money from the bank to make it through the rest of the year to get enough money together to plant again so he planted again the wheat grew the next year the, the harvest came up they went ready to gather the harvest and the bull weevil came in again and destroyed it Two years in debt now, doesn't know what to do. He's at loss. He might lose his whole farm. He's in a desperate place. He's like, what is happening? There's a man that comes into town and talks to him and introduces this farmer to growing peanuts. Well, Weevil doesn't eat peanuts. The farmer plants the crop. The harvest comes, the peanuts. He gathers his harvest. He makes enough money the first year to pay off the two years debt that he had and still was profitable moving forward. And you know what? That farmer never went back to growing wheat again. He stuck with peanuts. And he prospered and did great with his farm as he sold peanuts. When it was all over and done, the farmer went back and he built a monument to the bull weevil in the town square. <laughs> he built a monument because if it wasn't for that nasty little critter, that insect, that bull weevil, if it wasn't for that, he would have never found out about the peanuts. He would have never had this prosperity and this great farm in the future if it wasn't for what he had to go through because of that bull weevil. So I call that pastor at that church, Pastor Bull Weevil. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But my brother-in-law does. <laughs> but God takes us through these things. He allows things to happen. It's his plan. And if we don't go through the problems that we're going through, if God didn't allow these things to happen, we would never know what could happen down the road. We never know what, what might happen in the future as God takes us through these things. His plan, not our plan. I was thinking also of, I'm not going to read the passage, but Peter, right? Peter is in a boat with the disciples and Jesus is walking on the water. We all know the story. And Jesus calls his disciples to come out. Now Peter is a brave one. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I have a little tiny tool route. I clean like seven, I mean eight tools one day a week. I've been doing it for friends for years. And there's been times when I'm cleaning tools and I'm looking at the edge. I'm standing right there and I'm like, Peter walked on water. 
I have to do this. I believe I trust you, right? I believe I can walk by faith. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You know? So I put my foot out, and I think, okay, right now I'll follow this. But I put my foot out, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to step, and I get my foot in the water, gets a little wet. I've never done it, okay? <laughs> I never done it. I've always thought I'd just fall right in. But Peter stepped out, right, in the story, and he starts to walk on water. And then what's interesting to me in the story, what happens is he notices the wind and the waves around him. And when he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he notices the wind and the waves around him, what happens? He starts to sink. Peter's going down. He's going to drown. He notices all the problems around him and he starts to drown. Takes his eyes off Jesus. And the great thing is Jesus reaches out his hand, takes him by the hand. And Peter comes up and walks on water. Now, in other stories, when they're on the, on the sea and there's crazy storms, one of them, Jesus calms the storm, doesn't he? But in this story, he doesn't calm the sea. He doesn't say that Jesus says, wind, waves, be still. He doesn't do that. He just takes Peter by the hand. So I'm assuming that they walked with the waves and the wind around them on the water. And Peter was able to do that. Why? Because he kept his eyes on Jesus. He stayed focused on Jesus. He didn't look at the problems around him. So, you've got to remember that it's God's plan. And we need to rejoice and give thanks in the situations that we're in. We need to rejoice and give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Some of our circumstances are evil, they are bad. No, and we're not to give thanks for those bad things. But when we're in them, we need to give him thanks because we're in this process. Peter was walking on the water, right? He's looking to Jesus. He wasn't worried about what was around him. We need to give thanks for him. God doesn't expect us to be thankful for evil things, for sin, for suffering. He wants us to thank him for the way he will work out the problem and make us like his son. We need to rejoice in the Lord. No matter what we're going through, no matter what problems we face, we can rejoice in God's love, in God's care, in God's wisdom, in His power, and in His faith, faithfulness. We can rejoice in the things of the Lord as we go through these difficult things, and that's what we need to do. We sing a song on Sunday mornings. We started singing, it's because it was one of Kendall's favorite songs. So, Dad, can you sing this? It's called The Goodness of God. And you guys know that song? We sing it every once in a while. And one of the lines in that song is, All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. This is the posture and the attitude that I believe God wants us to have when we go through difficult problems, difficult things. Because he is faithful. And I'll tell you what, I've gone through a lot of different things, and most of you here that have been Christians for years, you would agree with me. He has been faithful. He got me another job. Actually, at that point, I think I had like four little jobs all over the place doing all kind of things. But he provided. God made a way. He made a way when it was in that difficult spot. He has been faithful. He has been so, so good. He's causing it all to come together for good. You might think, but I'm going through this difficult thing. What's going on? That's not good. But he's causing it to come together for good. He's been faithful. He's been good. So my response and our response would be, so I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to love him. I'm going to proclaim the 
He is good because I know that he is, no matter what I'm going through. We can also rejoice in knowing that God is good and that we're, what we're going through is making us like him. We can rejoice in the fact that we're not alone. We're going through it, but God is going through it with us. Like with Peter walking on the water, Jesus reached out his hand and took him by the hand. God is, Jesus is taking you by the hand when you're going through a difficult thing. You're not alone. Jesus is right there with you. Even though it may feel like you're drowning, it may feel like you're a, everything's a mess and you're out of control, he's in control and he's got your hand. Take his hand. Let him hold you this morning as you walk through that together with him. He will be faithful. He is good. He is good. And the third thing I kind of want that I think we need to do is don't give up. Don't give up. We're in that process of becoming like Jesus. We all go through problems, and it's difficult at times. Don't turn your back. Don't walk away. Don't say, I quit. I'm done with this, God. I, I don't trust you anymore. Trust the Lord. Don't give up. Trust him. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Trust the Lord. Now, it's easy to trust Jesus when things are going well. Those first nine and a half years in ministry when I first started, everything went great. My boss was kind of hard on me sometimes. He'd kind of get on my case. But, <laughs> but I, I was learning. But it was a good experience. Things were going great. And when things are going good, easy to trust, right? I trust you, Lord. I got a job. I got a house. I got money in my pocket. I trust you, Lord. Everything's going good. Wait, it's all gone? I don't know if I trust you anymore, God. I don't know what's going on. You're right. It's hard to trust him when we just have those problems and those difficulties. That's when we need to draw near to him and know that he has a plan. We need to trust him. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about your problems. He's got it in control. He's got it. He's got you in his hand. You're good. It's all good. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to get out of here a little early this morning. Big problem, right? Especially if the pizza's not here yet. You guys eat cake first, but. So as the worship team comes up, just kind of in conclusion to wrap this stuff up, some things to remember. Remember that you're not alone. I think sometimes when we face a difficult problem, we feel like nobody understands. Nobody gets it. Or we, we, sometimes we want to kind of be alone. Like, I got this. Nobody needs to know I have a problem, Right? You know, they won't understand. They don't even know I got a problem. Shh, don't tell anybody I got a problem. Right? That's not good either. Because you're not alone. Everybody has problems. Everybody's going through difficult things. All of us. So remember, you're not alone. It happens to everyone. Remember that God loves you. And he's working on the big picture. He loves you. And I know it's hard sometimes. Because you think, God, you've done that. You've allowed this thing to happen. You know, and I think of being a parent. Certain things happen with our kids, you know, that I could probably intervene in. When Kendall's rent comes due and she doesn't have enough money to pay rent, I could intervene and throw a couple hundred bucks her way. I'm a bad parent. I usually do. But, you know, <laughs> but sometimes you have to allow things to happen as a parent so your kids go through things, right? And it seems like your parents don't care, but they do because they're looking at the big picture, trying to make you a good adult, right? And God's doing the same thing with us. We go through difficult things. 
but he loves us and he loves you and he's looking and he's working on the big picture. Now I want to encourage you when you're going through difficult things to rejoice in the Lord, to worship the Lord, to give thanks to the Lord, to draw near to him and thank him for who he is and what he is doing through this situation and through this problem that we're faced with this morning. And then the last thing is simply this. Draw near to God. Draw near to Him as you go through these trials. Don't turn away. Don't just try to solve it on your own. Draw near to Jesus. In a moment, the, wor- the worship team is going to sing this next song, The Goodness of God. And as they sing that song, I want you to just really ask the Lord, oh, God, what are you doing? What problems? You, you know the problems you're facing. When I started the sermon, you had problems popping up in your head that you're going through. And after that song, we're going to have the ministry team up here and on the side. And I really want to encourage you this morning to get prayer for whatever those problems are. You know, I believe that God is bigger than this room. He's bigger. He's huge. He's so big, he cannot be contained in this room. But what God did is he's given us his spirit. And he's placed it in each one of us individually where he can be body of Christ, the beloved. And we're here for each other. He uses us as the body of Christ to love one another. He speaks through us to us. That's why we have the ministry time. Because we all have problems and we want to be here for each other and invite you to come up and receive prayer. And this ministry team has been trained not just to pray their prayers. A lot of people come up and have their canned prayer that they pray for people. This ministry team has been trained on how to wait on that, on the Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit saying? What does the Spirit want to say? What does He want to speak into your life in regards to what you're faced with, the problem you have? So I want to encourage you at the end of this song to come. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. You know why? Because they all got problems too. Everybody has problems. It just may be a season for you where you need to come up and get prayer for we all stand together. We're going to sing this song, and then I'm going to come back up and invite you to come up for prayer. And while we're singing the song, if the prayer team wants to come up, please do that. And let's just wait on the Lord and, and ask Him, Lord,